Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, our last episode was about the second coming and about turning the page. Part of it, discussion being that we live lives in routines. Most of us strive to get in routines, whether the routine is good, bad, or indifferent. Part of human nature is to get into a routine. And there's certain cycles within the years. We mentioned a couple episodes ago that intentionally the church breaks up the seasons to make us focus. Just as nature goes from super hot in the summer to super cold in the winter, there's, there's an interrupt where we have to have an opportunity to sit back and look at our routines and evaluate them. And many people do that at New Year's as you were concluding our last episode about you know, if there's a year that you had pain or, or a hard spot that you're getting over, it doesn't need to be an entire year of problems. But one of the things that, that we had been discussing a lot here is is salvation and being open to it. And the thought had been coming to me that so many of our own problems, we're probably a cause of it. Maybe not 100% of the cause, but certainly a contributing factor at least. And it seems to be an unwillingness to, to accept salvation in the very broadest sense to give us happiness and forgiveness to move on. And I wanted to talk today kind of specifically about the church's teachings. Because as we're looking forward to truly get a change in life, Maybe we're at a spot where listening to the last episode about the second coming was a very fearful side because we think that we're on the bad side of the fence or we just don't know. And unknown is scary. So with this being a chance of where we're kind of already reevaluating our routines and at a spot for a pattern interrupt, why don't we take a look at what the church teaches as far as moving forward from incorrect situations, bad spots, painful spots, and moving into a place of peace and love. Yeah, fortunately, it's it's always possible to do that. I mean, it's kind of, kind of the amazing thing about our faith. I remember it hit home to me in a particular way when I had a chance to um, go and do some ministry in prison. And I just was thinking as I met these uh, prisoners who I found out later, a number of them were murderers. Uh, some of them child molesters. I mean, you know, some some pretty bad stuff. Uh, most of them in for a long time or for life. That even in those terrible circumstances, I just thought, because we have this attitude like, uh, I know when I was growing up, certainly my, my parents, the last thing they wanted me to do was to end up in prison, you know? So that's kind of the uh, the ultimate bad example. If you do that, you know, you get arrested or whatever, uh, kind of threatened with the, the law, the consequences of the law. And then, to meet people to whom that happened, you know, that they, they did eventually push the limit so far that they got arrested, that they were convicted, that they ended up in prison. And it's very easy to think like, well, their life is over, you know, but meeting these prisoners. Now, I got to meet them in part because they listened to WAOB radio on which I also, you know, do a lot of audio teaching like we're doing here on the our podcast. But uh, they, they were interested in meeting me and a priest friend of mine was the prison chaplain and 
um, uh, in another case, a deacon friend of mine is a prison chaplain. And so they brought me in to do some ministry in the prison. And these guys had found a new beginning. You know, they, they, uh, they weren't saints. Uh, it's not like they didn't have any problems anymore. It's not like they started uh, glowing with halos or something like that uh, after they had a conversion in prison. Um, they still had their own struggles, a certain gruffness, uh, you know, and an and ease of being drawn into bad things by bad influences. and But also something beautiful was at work in their souls. And I could really see in the way that they listened. Uh, in the one case, I was teaching on the rule of St. Benedict and how that would apply to prisoners. And the way that they were listening, the questions that they were asking, how they could really apply the teaching of St. Benedict to their lives, really taking it in, how they could pray more, how they could use their solitude to good advantage. Something I learned, which I was surprised by, I said, probably you have a lot of silence. And they go, no, we never get silence. In prison, you know, sometimes we think of that as being this kind of uh, really desolate, quiet place because everything's sectioned. Oh, they said, we long for periods of silence. It's so nice at the mass when the priest is, you know, just after the Eucharist or whatever, leaves some period of silence. So we, you know, we just don't get that. But anyway, you know, how they could use their circumstances to grow in holiness. And they were really interested in that. And I had this realization, which I, I would have known kind of abstractly, theologically, but it just became very concrete to me in that moment. The truth that we believe, if there were a better way for God to save and sanctify, in other words, to make these men saints, then he wouldn't have included prison. <laughs> but in fact, in, this, in the mystery of God's providence, prison was part of the best path for them to become saints. Now, that's given the bad decisions that they made, in some cases, the bad circumstances they grew up in, um, not saying that from their birth, they were destined to go to prison. I'm not saying that, but as things progressed based on their decisions, the best path for them was going to be uh, to go through prison, which is no picnic. You know, I mean, not only are you locked up and prevented from doing things, but in the culture in prison, you know, it's just horrible, a lot of terrible things that, that people go through. But but enduring those things, suffering that persecution, persevering in prayer and faith, growing in their knowledge, uh, reading, making contacts with the prison chaplain, other good people, that's part of their path to holiness. And there are some saints in our prisons, you know. So I just use that as a kind of extreme example. Probably the people listening to this podcast are not in prison. I'm not sure if you can get podcasts in prison. So you know, we might say at one level, well, we're all better off than those prisoners. And if there's hope for them, there's hope for me. <laughs> so no matter, no matter how things have gone, no matter what's happened to us or no matter what we've done, there's, there's hope. God is able to bring good out of evil. In fact, he never allows an evil from which he cannot bring a greater good. And so if there are things that we've done, things that have happened to us, ultimately it's, it's for our good. doesn't mean that it's easy or painless, or that we would have chosen it if we had a, 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 a several options to choose from. But it does mean that it's a path that God is with us, and he's bringing us to, to holiness on this path. So it gives us a reason for hope. That's one of the, the fundamental gifts of Christianity, is that we always have a reason for hope, no matter where we are, no matter what has happened. Hope for ourselves and hope for others. 
Yeah, as you're talking about hope, I, I know that I've had the thought before that of the virtues, sometimes hope's the hardest um, because we're surrounded by people around us who who don't always live up to, to their promises. So there's a certain creeping that say, you know, as I started this episode, we get into patterns, we get into routines. Well, most of us can identify someone in our lives who never is going to show up on time. So what do we do? We adjust, we go out of our ways. We tell them they got to be there an hour before it actually starts. And then that works for about two years. Then you're telling them it's an hour and a half and so on and so forth to the point where it's, it's flat out not reliable. And I think that we all can identify something like that. Now, there's obviously different degrees of importance to showing up for, for an event A versus an event B, but we can identify that. And, and seeing people that we care about fail can be certainly a, a loss of trust, but, but sometimes the more painful element is, is the loss of hope. And I think that that's when we start talking about your relationship with God, the, probably the most beneficial, that there's no reason ever to lose hope, that no matter how bad things are around you and people letting you down or maybe even you letting yourself down, that at the end of the day, hope is always there. You might have to go through some struggles to atone for it, but hope is still there. And I think that that is something that you do a really good job at articulating that I think that we as a whole, especially on an individual level, lose that. And I think that losing that fundamental fact is the slippery slope of losing faith. And I just wanted to, since you you just spent that, that great example there, that if prisoners in a culture that most of us never want to be, we certainly don't want to put our children there, can still find hope in pretty much the darkest example you can think of within our society and still have it work. If God can reach into there, he can reach into whatever problems we have. Not saying that our problems aren't big or significant, but they're not as large, relatively speaking. And humility helps with that as well. But to keep hope in mind that God will not let you down is, is tremendous. And, um, and I just wanted to, to, to highlight that as, as, as you just gave that example. Yeah. Yeah. Hope, uh, hope is so powerful that as St. Paul says in hope, we are saved. So hope actually saves us. And as you were just, uh, alluding to Joe, that when we don't have hope, it can really be uh, the loss of everything. Uh, even losing our salvation, despair, you know, despair is the great enemy. Uh, cynicism is another sin against hope. When we look at the world and we say, ah, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. There's no hope for anyone. There's no hope for anyone, for, for anything. This, this, this political situation is hopeless. Um, these rotten politicians do the worst kinds of things. These corrupt uh, businessmen do the worst kinds of things. This stock market is coming apart. You know, all that kind of negativity, right? It's, it's so easy to fall into that stuff. It, it, it It's an odd thing because we kind of place ourselves above it 
and and judge and condemn everything else, which is a sin of pride. And then that pride also goes with a kind of despair, a hopelessness for these structures, for other people, for the world. So um, all that stuff really twists our hearts and and is really demonic. Ultimately, I, I know that's strong, but it really is. I mean, it's the devil's attitude. The devil looked at God's plan for salvation, his choice of human beings, and he said, "That's there's no hope for that. There's no way. There's no way that those creatures made of slime from the earth could ever be with us in heaven. There's, there's, that's just stupid. And, and it was that arrogance and envy that led the devil in pride to think, I can destroy them and set himself against God, you know? So we can really do that. We can fall into that direction. It's so dangerous, but it's just kind of step-by-step giving up hope and, and for others, for ourselves, for, you know, it's not like there are Republicans and Democrats, uh, you know, it's not like the Republican party is in heaven. Yeah, there are Republicans in heaven, I hope. I mean, but we, we all sort of transcend political parties uh, in, in the end. But uh, anyway, I mean, there's uh, there's no reason to condemn all of that uh, as, you know, at the same time that um, we don't have to have despair over our political processes ever working out or over our president. You know, it's the thing uh, the, the the Bible illustrates also with the story of St. Paul. I mean, that guy being the apostle to the Gentiles, that guy writing the majority of the New Testament? Really? You got to be kidding me. Poor Ananias, uh, when he was asked by God to receive Paul and to form him and to bring him to the Lord, he's like, the the guy that's murdering the Christians? Are you nuts? <laughs> I mean, and it's real easy to look at people with the, now Ananias, uh, uh, obviously, uh, Saint Ananias, who who did accept God's call, and his emotional, his immediate emotional reaction is certainly understandable. Like, really, are you sure? Uh, but to have real faith and say, "Okay, well, God can do that with Paul. He can do that with a lot of other people. Do that with our uh, congressman, our senator, with our policeman, with our president, with our with this foreign ruler, with this you know these people that we just kind of." caricature as if we actually understood everything inside them and we were in a position to condemn them. No, there's a kernel of goodness in everyone that God can use for salvation. And it may depend on our prayers whether that kernel of goodness gets watered and rooted and actually grows in their lives. But perhaps the fact that we've turned our hearts away from someone, even to pray for them, means that they won't have that seed rooted. And then it's our fault. It's not their fault. So we have to take seriously. Hope is also a, a call for evangelization. We have to hope in people enough to believe that they can find conversion. I mean, after all, Constantine was able to be converted. And so uh, the great emperor of the Roman Empire was able to be converted. And how many rulers throughout history were able to be converted and able to live lives of holiness even. So it's uh, hope really makes a difference in how we live, how we view our own lives, and also how we approach others and how we accept the call to evangelize, to share the gift of faith that, that we have received. Yeah, and I think that some people have, as you mentioned there, 
your immediate gut response doesn't exclude you from doing something that's right. You know, you, you can go, oh, just that doesn't feel right or whatever, but, you know, come to it being the right thing to do and doing it. And I think that one of the things that we can do moving forward to to keep hope, because as I'm talking with you here, it, it really seems that that hope is the key of turning the corner from something that's a, a painful problem within to to growing out of it, to, to getting to a, a place of peace. And one of the practices that I recall from when we did our virtue series on hope was to be thankful for the things you have that, you know, even in, in the most so-called hopeless times, there still are some positive things that are going out and we overlook them as, as, the, as you would say, the cynic does that they, they look for the negative and how easy it can be to get caught into everything is wrong and everything is negative looking around us. And when reality that's not really true. You know, if you'd actually line everything up on a list, there's going to be more light than dark. And that's just the, the nature of the world. But as things become less, sometimes we need them more. And, you know, you, you can see that as an example with uh, all this advertisement against smoking. There's less smoking than there has been in generations, but there's now more advertisements about less smoking than ever before. <laughs> Um, Interesting. So that's just the thing. Um, there's also less car deaths than there ever have been for, but there's more advertisements about buckle up your seatbelt. Um, hmm. So it, it is a natural human thing um, as you're trying to overcome something, whether it's good or bad, as you're actually overcoming it and succeeding your mission to have this thought that you're failing and there's more of it, even though mm. that's not true. Hmm. And and that's why I, I recommend sitting down and being, just taking stock and being thankful for what you have because it'll give you accurate perspective of hmm. things are actually going better than they seem. And that will pretty much always be the case. Um, so, so I wanted to give people that opportunity to, to sit down and to think about how how that's true, especially when things are in their worst times. I know that we had a couple of months ago someone ask us, how do we give guidance to people who are going through the worst times? And, you know, hope and faith and love, um, keeping stop and thanksgiving will, will certainly help with that. So I, I don't want to go into a, a side note or a tangent there. I want to let you keep us on pace here, Father, and, and keep us grounded. Yeah. Well, you you make a good point. It's our impressions of how things are going in our lives or in the world can easily be distorted, uh, whether it's thinking about uh, the, the most uh, or, or problems, like you said, smoking or uh, car deaths. I remember reading something that uh, people whether uh, the, the question of whether more people die from shark attacks or from falling airplane parts. And it turns out that more people die from falling airplane parts <laughs> than from shark attacks. But because shark attacks are kind of like in the news, you know, we see those things, we think, oh, yeah, it must be, must be shark attacks. So, 
it's uh yeah it's interesting how easily our perspective can be distorted and and then the other thing that's kind of distorting is you know looking at statistics it's like well just because you know it's unlikely that people die of these things what are the chances that i'll die of these things well that's kind of its own you know uncertainty uh that you know what we're we're interested in our own situation ultimately so i'm not going to die you know 5% of me mm-hmm. uh, i'm either going to die or not die you know if it if it if it touches your life then it it touches your life it doesn't touch your life sort of partially so um yeah anyway just always good to be careful about our perceptions and what's you know what's really happening in the world and i know i always get this question about uh, my my ministry, the things that I've done in China, where I've had the chance to do some formation for sisters and seminarians, everything I do there is legal, you know, so uh, people, oh, isn't that dangerous? Well, China is a completely diverse reality, 1.3 billion people, a larger landmass than the United States, and lots of local governments that behave in different ways. So there's active persecution in a couple of provinces, or at least where Christians are being treated in ways they would like not to be. The government will say it's not persecution. And other places where the faith is absolutely thriving beyond anything we've seen in the United States. You know, one parish that has 30 seminarians, 40 priests have been ordained from that parish in the last 30 years, and they have a thousand people that go to mass every day. (laughs) You know, that's the range of China. So anyway, making generalizations about how things are in the world how things are in our country, how things are in our neighborhood or in our parish, those generalizations are always fraught with, uh, with problems. So the better question is, what can I do to help? How can I push against my hopelessness and despair in order to make a positive contribution? As the overly used saying goes, better to light a candle than to curse the darkness and what's the candle that I can light? What's the work of mercy that I can do? What's the prayer that I can say? And keeping our minds and hearts focused on those positive contributions we can make does a lot more good than wringing our hands, complaining about the darkness and making generalizations about how bad things are. Can't sum it up any better than that. So uh, on that note, um, we we thank everyone for listening with us here today. We, We thank you guys for continuing to spread and to grow the cast um, each week as we get the results in it looks like it's almost always better than the week prior so we thank you guys for for helping it to grow we couldn't do it without you and we'll be with you again next week <laughs>